All right, very good morning, Amokyo family. Now today we conclude our First Corinthians uh, pulpit series. When we started this series, I shared the story of a little boy called Danny who lived with his family in a trailer. And so one day someone asked him, don't you wish you had a real home? And Danny's wise reply was this, we have a real home. We just don't have a house to put it in. So we all know very well by now, a house and a home are very different. A house is just a physical structure. It can be made out of brick or wood, right? What's important really is whether there is love inside. And so if a Christian home does not have God's love, God's enduring love, then we know that that is not really a home. But if we are filled with God's love, a home becomes a haven of peace, acceptance, unconditional love. And in a home filled with God's love, each person's value is unlimited and their mutual commitment is forever. Any decent contractor can build you a house, but really only God's Spirit can empower us to build a home. And if we want to build God's home here, Amokyo Methodist Church, to be a home with a heart, it will take all of us as living stones filled with the enduring, perfect love of God, each of us playing our individual roles well. I also shared back in January that the, the book of Romans was written to deal with the external manifestation of spiritual pride, and that is seen in the racial discrimination between the Jews and the Gentiles, while 1 Corinthians was written to deal with the internal manifestation of spiritual pride, between not so much between Jews and Gentiles, but really between the haves and the have-nots, the wise and the wiser, so-called, the gifted, and then the superiorly gifted, so-called. Now, in these six months, we have seen how this spiritual pride has reared its ugly head in various forms, whether it's in divisions, in lawsuits, or the comparison of spiritual gifts. But the core problem remains pride, spiritual pride. And Romans was written really to address who's included in the family of God, or 1 Corinthians was written to address what happens within the family of God. And so as we are studying in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the only way to displace this spiritual pride in our lives is to be filled and overflowing with God's enduring, selfless love. Third, I also shared that if there were any major lessons that we can learn from 1 Corinthians, it is simply this, no matter how horrible or terrible a family may be, they stick together simply because we are one family in Christ. The Corinthian Christians, as we have seen, they are snobbish, they are elitist, they abuse their freedom in Christ. They're really quite a horrible bunch. But Paul never gave up on them. Instead, Paul calls them and calls all of us once again, you know, to strive to be a holy, loving family of God, to exercise love and concern for each other as members of God's household. Finally, I also challenge us at the very first sermon of the year that we need to remember our membership vows to serve God in this faith community through the four areas of prayers, presence, service, and gifts. Prayers, presence, service, and gifts. Now, in terms of presence, I was very heartened to see that many of you have returned to worship on site uh, before the restrictions uh, kick in, you know. I'm also appealing to you once again that when the restrictions do ease, uh, that you also uh, show up to worship the Lord. I really appreciate your patience and uh, kind understanding for this period as our current position is not to burden you with the costly uh, pre-event testing on a weekly basis. So going without, unfortunately, without PET would mean that a cap of 50 packs 
per worship service. I think we all can understand how limiting that is. So give us some time as a leadership to discern the way forward. And so the current trajectory really is to pray and wait for more of you to be fully vaccinated so that we can go beyond the 50 packs limit for our worship services. So let's pray also for the time that we can gather once again freely in larger numbers. And definitely I look forward to seeing all of you face to face once again. So your presence does matter. Now in terms of service, I'm glad that in that period where we were able to open up the church a bit more and we called some of you back to serve, there's a healthy response for the call to serve when the services resume the last round, whether it's accounting stewards or AV crew, from the new hospitality ministers to Sunday school teachers. I appreciate and I thank all of you who step up to serve. In terms of prayer, I hope that we can continue to write on our prayer and praise platform to learn to exercise the spiritual gift of prophecy better. And again, if God is willing, second half of the year, we have training on the area of prophecy. And so in these four areas, that leads us to the last area of gifts, which is what Apostle Paul mentioned as he concludes his letter to the Corinthian church. So let me read God's word to us this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Now today, Lord, we ask for Holy Spirit once again to fill us afresh. Help us to be holistic in our Christian discipleship. And we pray that Lord, as we hear about this important topic, what it means to give, the Lord help us to remember that you have first of all given your all and your best. So we commit this sermon into your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now today we uh, observe Stewardship Sunday. We know very well, I think, if you've been in church long enough, the biblical injunction to give regularly, regularly to God's work, to God's people is very clear. It's all over scripture. But in a very timely manner, in just one verse, which is verse 2, we see three biblical principles about giving. First of all, Paul recognizes that giving should be prioritized and regular. In the Corinthians' case, it was the first day of every week. The first day of every week is what we call, by now, supposed to be Sunday, right? Not Monday, but Sunday. I also know that the historical, cultural reasons play a bigger factor as the people back then probably received daily wages as compared to what most of us receive nowadays, monthly wages. So actually, it's perfectly okay whether you choose to give weekly, monthly, or even yearly. I was very heartened last year when I learned that many of our seniors who did not have electronic payment methods, how you faithfully kept aside your pledge envelopes, whether it's weekly or monthly, during the entire circuit breaker period, and even phase one or even beginning of phase two, until you finally returned physically to church, and then you brought this whole stack of pledge envelopes to the Lord. That's very commendable. Now, since church is largely online again for this season, I pray that uh, maybe one way besides setting aside that pledge envelope, for those of us a bit more digital savvy, we can make giving a priority by setting a digital alarm 
to remind ourselves to give regularly. So that's principle number one. Giving should be prioritized and regular. Principle number two, giving should be proportional to your our income. Now this means that the principle of tithing more or less holds, although we don't want to be bound to a legalistic 10%. The 10% amount really is a principle derived from Old Testament laws, as I've taught in other sermons, other places. But really 10% is the least we can give to God. When I came to know the Lord in my late teens, my cell leader taught me to set aside 10% to give to the Lord. I remember my allowance back then was $200 a month, and so I put aside $20. As my allowances grew, eventually earned an income, I've kept up this practice. And so parents, I, get, I want to urge all of you to learn to teach your children, start them from young. Teach them to give as a spiritual discipline. Now $20, 10% of $200, right, is not a big sum. But because I've been faithfully giving that percentage, it prepared me for the stage for the time I began to earn my income, $2,000, I give 200 And so, however the Lord bless you, blesses you, your, your giving should be proportional to your income. Number three, giving should be prepared. Not just prioritized, not just proportional to income, but it must be prepared. Paul says, save it up. Saving it up. In other words, don't just give your loose change to God when the offering bags come around or now we flash uh, the pay now QR code. That's why you heard the presentation, the budget presentation earlier. I expect all of us to prayerfully consider what the Lord has deposited in our hearts to give and always be prepared to give, whether it's through the traditional pledging envelopes or through the e-payment platforms. The last thing we want is haphazard giving whipping out whatever is in our wallets whenever the offering bags come around or, or when the QR code comes, you just simply key in a fanciful number, whatever is on your mind at the time. So these are the three basic principles we need to recognize when it comes to giving. It should be prioritized and regular. It should be proportional to our income and we should always be prepared for the moment of giving. But more than just tithing principle, if you look at Apostle's teaching, uh, not just in this book of First Corinthians, but throughout his letters, he teaches on the duty of honour and honour of giving in several other places. The duty and honour of giving in other passages. In Acts chapter 20, in Paul's farewell speech to the Ephesian elders, he said, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you by this, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul teaches here in Acts chapter 20, especially verse 35, if we have the privilege to give, it already means we are richly blessed. But more than that, if you look at the story of the widow with two coins, two small copper coins, even though she gave out of her poverty and was never rich to begin with, she was commended for her faith in God. And so it is always an honor to give to the Lord. Always an honor to give to the Lord. It is always more blessed to give than to receive. Full stop. Now, and then in Romans chapter 15, Paul wrote at verse 26, For Macedonia, Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. So this word is repeated twice. They were pleased 
to make a contribution to the poor, they were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. And so this picks up really on my earlier point. It is always a blessing for us to bless others. It is always a joy to bless others. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote in verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then verse 12, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So here again, we see the joy of giving, extending beyond the givers themselves. And instead, the people around them also rejoice and celebrate when people are generous. So those of us, you know, uh, who know our people who are generous, as a result, we will praise God with joy as well. And then in Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 12, I know what, that, what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. Yet it was good, verse 14, for of you to share in my troubles. And then verse 17, not that I desire or gifts, but what I desire is that more to be credited to your account. And so if you read this passage, it's quite clear that Paul was very happy and glad that the, uh, the church renewed their concerns for him in a practical way, in a material way, through the financial giving. And so Paul was happy. Again, you see, generosity not just brings joy to yourself, but also joy to others. And Paul desired that more would be credited to their account through their giving. Finally, in Titus chapter 3, Paul writes, in verse 13, do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. See that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. As we sum up all these various passages, there are many reasons why we ought to give. First of all, it is always more blessed to give than to receive, to experience the joy of generosity. That is the inherent honor of giving. Right? Giving for the sake of giving. That brings joy and delight to God's heart. Second reason we give is for the poor. Like the Jerusalem community had many widows they were looking after, the orphans. So when we give, we give to the work, uh, to reach out to the poor within our faith community and beyond. Number three, we also give for urgent needs, maybe like disaster relief. Number four, we give for the work of the gospel. Uh, earlier on, it was mentioned, right, in Romans chapter 15, that the Gentiles owe it to the Jews, right, to, since they have received spiritual blessings from the Jews, they ought to give them materially. And so for the work of the gospel, since we have been blessed with the gospel, let us bless others through our financial giving. That's called reverse missions. Five, we give because this is a clear evidence 
of our obedience and confession of the gospel of Christ. If we truly see ourselves as believers, then giving is non-negotiable. And then finally, we give for the provision of God's servants. See to it, Paul says in Titus, see to it that these people who are coming to you, they have everything that they need. Now, talking about the last point, in chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 10 to 18, Paul mentions his compatriots in ministry, Timothy, Apollos, as well as Stephanus, Fortunatus, Archaeus, Archaeicus. So you can refer to your own Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So Timothy was his spiritual son, presumably much younger. And so naturally, Timothy's spiritual authority was questioned. But here Paul sticks his authority behind Timothy and unashamedly tells the Corinthians, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. As for Apollos, despite and perhaps precisely because of the Corinthians' idolization of him and his ministry as a gifted speaker, if you read the text itself, you will see that actually he was reluctant to return to Corinth. Yet, at Paul's position, Apollos agrees to head over as soon as opportunity presents itself. And then there's the trio of Stephanus, Fortunatus, Archaicus, who Paul commends as people in service of God's people. Presumably, they're either in full-time ministry or serving as key lay leaders. So what can we learn here? Just as there are three principles for giving, found in the honour of giving, there are three principles in relating to pastors, church staff, and those who are called to serve as lay leaders. And that is the giving of honour. The first preach principles teach us on the honour of giving. Now we learn the giving of honour. So what are these three principles here? Number one, no one should ever treat God's servants with contempt. No one should ever treat God's servants with contempt, regardless of age. Sure, of course, younger ministers, newer staff need time to grow and develop their ministries, and surely they will make mistakes along the way. Sure, older so-called ministers may not have that kind of energy as much anymore as the younger staff, but the point here is that we all must learn to honour those who serve the Lord, regardless of their age, whether they be in full-time ministry or not. Second lesson we learn is that no one should attempt to manipulate God's servants, to manipulate God's servants through fear-mongering or issuing or veiled threats. Conflicts and disagreements are bound to happen because God has created each of us differently. But learning to resolve conflict is always necessary and it must be done in a Christian manner, full of integrity, enduring love. At no point should we then try to manipulate God's servants through fear or issuing of any threats or any kind to make them to do our will. Number three, no one should accord greater honour to one of God's servants above another. We should not accord greater honour to one particular person compared to another. Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people, and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. Everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. Let me now address a possible elephant in the room. Since Pastor Stanley's time, and he's been known uh, to some of you, thankfully only a minority, he has been known to me, sorry, that some of you only look forward to visits and sermons by ordained pastors. 
I know that uh, some zone leaders, PTMs, pastoral team members, they have visited the wakes, they visited the hospitals, but somehow there is still this minority group that considered that the church did not care enough for them because the pastor in charge or the ordained pastors did not visit. Now look here, the zone leaders, the CGLs, the pastoral team members are all appointed by the spiritual authority of the pastor's office. So as Pastor Sandy has mentioned before, if you see them, it's equivalent to seeing him. It's the same with me as well. If you see the pastoral team members, the zone leaders, the cell leaders, they are given the same spiritual authority. They represent the church as much as I represent the church. Do you know that pastoral team members are actually considered pastors in some independent churches? The lay leaders too, likewise, even though they're not in full-time Christian ministry, they don't stop being full-time Christians, right? And they are an integral part of the spiritual leadership and oversight of this entire church. In some denominations, the lay leaders even have more spiritual authority than the pastors. But here at Amokyo Methodist Church, we are one family. We are one team. The pastors, the pastoral team members, the lay leaders, the zone leaders, the cell leaders, we are all part of the spiritual leadership. We have different functions, but we are all one combined pastoral leadership team. And so if you see any of them, accord to them the same honour as you would to the pastor in charge, for example. So as we move forward, let's have this common understanding. We are all fellow servants of God. All of us, fellow servants of God. We are all members of one body. We have differing spiritual gifts, but none of us is more important than another. Of course, there is a hierarchy of spiritual authority. But please know that this authority is not given for the sake of differentiating importance or value, but for the sake of preserving unity and making decisions. That's why there's a spiritual hierarchy, right? For the sake of making decisions. But once the decision is made, we are one collective spiritual leadership. So let me put it again very clearly. All who serve God, all who serve God and His people, whether they be lay or pastors, whether they be admin staff or pastoral staff, they all deserve the same recognition. We need to show equal honour to all who serve the Lord. We must not be biased in showing greater honour or recognition to a select group. Rather, we must learn to show honour to all who serve the Lord and His people. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, in the English Standard Version, it writes, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Outdo one another in showing honour. So today's sermon then can be summarized in this phrase. There is great honor in giving generously. There is great honor in giving generously. But we must also learn what it means to be generously giving honor. To be generous too in the giving of honor. So for us to be a home with a heart, this value of honor is crucial. Honor the Lord through our giving. But we also learn to give honor to one another because we all serve the same Lord. Let me now bring our First Corinthians pulpit series to a close. Paul writes in chapter 16, verses 13 to 14, his concluding remarks, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Do everything in love. Let me just summarize and bring us on this journey that we have undertaken so far since I became pastor in charge. In 2019, when 
uh, first took on this position, we studied the book of Joshua, which reminded us to be strong and courageous in doing the Lord's work. In particular, we need to be strong and courageous in opening up our lives when it comes to our class meeting. And I can tell you, and I'm sure many of you know, it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable. In the second half of 2020, we studied the kingdom of God, and we saw how that we are all part of God's advancing kingdom work. And certainly we know to advance God's kingdom requires courage and strength as well. And certainly we will face many challenges and obstacles as we reach people for God's kingdom. In 2020, I wrote uh, a series of devotions when COVID first hit to remind us of the Lord's impending return. As Christians, we must always have in mind that the Lord Jesus will return, and sometimes sooner than expected. I encourage all of us to be on our guard and stand firm in our faith. Don't let COVID shake us. Never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is returning. Never let our guard down, even when life resumes eventually. I personally feel that this second round of heightened alert It's a good reminder. Teach all of us to stay spiritually vigilant all the time. You know, when life kind of resumed uh, in phase three, most of us got busy once again. Most of us got sucked back into this life, you know, of busyness, and we neglected our spiritual walk. I pray that as we begin to open up our economy and the nation again, we will not rest on our laurels and become spiritually complacent once again. And so for these two years, uh, in 2020-21, when we studied the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians, I highlighted the key verse for both books were found in chapter 13, verse 8. In Romans 13, verse 8, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, love never fails. And so here Paul concludes, do everything in love. That is the hallmark of every believer. Everything that we do is to be done in love. As we enter into the second half of 2021, we will continue to explore the theme of home with a heart. We will explore it deeper in various ways, beginning with Family and Life Month in the month of July. We have Outreach Month in August, where we will explore the, the power of hospitality we will have a Home with a Heart campaign and also a short study on the book of Ruth. Curriculum aside, it is also very important, that, in fact most important, that we live out all that we have learned so far. May we truly do everything in love, always demonstrating God's selfless, enduring love and honouring one another. We honour the Lord through our giving. We honour each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. In this body of Christ, that we call Amokyo Methodist Church, a home with a heart. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we thank you. And first of all, you have reached out to us. You have saved us through the various ways and circumstances of our lives. And now you incorporate us into the family here at Amokyo Methodist Church. And so, Father, we pray you help us. You fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that we may always do everything in love to have the joy and generosity and the honour of giving to you and also to give honour to all who serve you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.